This podcast is a presentation of Sunset Presbyterian Church. For more information, log on to our website at www.sunsetpres.org. Good morning. Yeah, thank you. I'm Janet, and um, I serve on here with our outreach ministries. I serve here at Sunset with our outreach ministries. And um, I grew up in a little church of about 100 on Easter, And one of our uh, faith traditions was Sunday morning. We had a breaking of bread service. And there was no order to it. The idea was that um, the men uh, would share testimony throughout the service randomly. They'd stand up and they would read scripture. And they would talk about how God was at work in their life. And they would recommend a song that we would all sing. And it's a real sweet tradition in my life. And so today, this is Mission Sunday. And there are going to be threads of that throughout the service today. What we wanted to do was share with you what God is doing um, around the world through our church. And so many of us non-speakers from the platform normally will be sharing with you um, just testimonies of what God's doing in our lives. We're going to focus on our three missions focus projects. The first one is serving kids and families um, who are experiencing homelessness in the Beaverton School District. The second is our new ministry in Alaska. And the third is our long-term partnership in Uganda. First, I want you to take a look at this picture. Um, This is a quilt that we've been creating um, that helps to represent what we've been doing with Family Promise. A couple of years ago, our congregation said that you wanted us to serve and provide more direct services to people living on the margins of society. And so about eight months ago, we began a partnership with a local nonprofit startup called Family Promise of Beaverton. And they have a day center, which is actually right up behind that picture, where families come every day of the year, and they are provided with a warm and dry space, place to be, showers, um, laundry services, a caseworker that helps them set goals and then get into stable housing. And I'm excited to tell you that these 10 families represented here, we actually know their names, um, have been... Um, we've been able to help divert them from homelessness since we started the program eight months ago. So pretty cool. We did, I did not do this alone. <laughs> um, and so I'm going to invite a couple of the members of the leadership team to come up and share with us a little bit about their experience. But as they come up, um, I wanted to let you know five. So there's the day center aspect. Um, which the nonprofit offices are here. And then the second aspect of Family Promise and how Sunset is involved is through our overnight hosting program. So five weeks of the year so far, we have converted our Sunday school classrooms into bedrooms and a dining room and a living room and um, served families who've been living here. These ladies serve on the leadership team, and I want them to share. Just, girls, introduce yourselves. Tell them how you serve, and then... Uh, help them share a little bit about how what the impact has been on you. Okay, uh, my name is Melissa Griffith, and my husband and I started coming to church here 27 years ago because my friend Kathy Hartram invited us. And um, I have a few things to say about how Family Promise has impacted me. Um, a couple of years ago, I was up here talking about how there was a period in my life of going during that 27 years, about 10 years, when I was really lonely here. 
uh, and especially lonely during the church time of my week because it seemed like this was supposed to be a place of community, and it wasn't. But um, Family Promise has been a big part of um, helping me You know, I just feel like I am really part of a community, and I've met some really great people um, being a part of this. So that's kind of a side advantage. We are all aware of the problem of being houseless or homeless, and particularly we see people on the corners. But now I have an alternative uh, narrative that I can say, I can think about Elizabeth, or I can think about Megan, or somebody that I know that I'm acquainted with through Family Promise, and that's been a benefit to me. Also, the problem of homelessness is so overwhelming that you just feel kind of paralyzed. And this has been a manageable, small slice that I can do to um, help with homelessness in my community. And it's very, very satisfying. Thanks, Melissa. Hi, my name is Judy Norman, and I started attending Sunset in 1996. A neighbor said you might like to find out what they're all about. um, Not only am I serving right now um, as the volunteer host coordinator for Family Promise, I also help with co-leading our Thursday morning 6 a.m. women's Bible study. Um, so, ladies, if you like getting up that early, come join us. <laughs> and if you like serving families, come and join us. <laughs> this morning, <clears throat> my word is judgment. And boy, did explanation escape me. So, um, I looked up what Christians want to know.com <laughs> about judgment in its various forms. So, here's what the research says of the Bible, there are about um, 400 verses about judgment. Wow. So, same research, and thankfully, gratefully, that same research asked about verses of love, mercy, and grace. And praise God, there are nearly a thousand verses I do struggle with my default setting of judging others. My mother named me Judith, and I love to binge watch Judge Judy. (laughs) (laughs) However, I've walked in the shoes of our guests as a child. How my family got to its lowest point was years in the making. So when our families come to our Sunset Family Promise Ministries, I can recall the fear, uncertainty, and judgment that others would pass on me. But back to basics. God created me. He knew my name before he even created this earth. When I became his child through the price that Jesus paid, his instruction to me is to have love, mercy, and grace and apply them in all that I do. Leave judgment to him. My learning in prayer is, help me, Lord, not to judge our families and their circumstances, but to offer a safe haven of love, mercy, and grace. I am broken. We are all broken, but we are redeemed in Jesus. Help me, Lord, see them as you see them 
and take actions accordingly. Thanks, Judy. I heard something today on the radio, which is it's one thing to be told that you're loved, but it's another thing to feel like you're loved. And I think that that is what we're doing with Family Promise. And then every week, really, I want to just say thank you to those who serve in our Helping Hands ministry by providing our food pantry and our clothing closet. We have a community garden. And then backpack food. We just this week um, picked up a second school because another church has to default on their commitment for the rest of the year. And so we're going to find a way to send food home with those kids too. And that's who our Helping Hands team is. And so what I'd love for you to do is if you serve with Family Promise or with Helping Hands, would you stand so we can say thank you? I know you're in here. Yeah. And now... Stay standing. Why don't we just have everyone stand and greet one another real quick? Thanks. Good morning, Sunset. I know you love to visit. I love the sound of it. But I want to say something. So please be seated. I'm Mike, and I oversee uh, international missions, our our missionaries that we support around the world, but then also our uh, ministry in Uganda. And a team of seven from Sunset just returned a couple of weeks ago from ministry in Uganda. And I felt like during those two weeks there, at times I had walked into the book of Acts. God is on the move. Lives are being changed. People are coming to Christ. And... uh, God is building his church. And so I want to give you an update through some slides this morning. Uh, So this first picture that we'll get up here, uh, the picture on the left kind of feeds us into two stories. So we'll start with a picture on the left. In the background, you can see some sticks sticking up in the air. And that was their former elementary school. So it was destroyed by termites and wind and rain. And so... This was in 2015, and so while we were there, uh, the tribal leaders asked Dr. Moses, our Ugandan partner, if he could help them rebuild uh, their church. Well, I think they thought they were asking for another mud hut. And so Dr. Moses came to me and said, could you rally the, the churches in the Willamette Valley that support us? And there are six of us that work together on a regular basis and help us raise money to build a more permanent school. So we did that, and the building on the right is the school that they have today. It's four classrooms. It's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I wish you could have been there when we opened it for the first time. We were there for the celebration. The kids were just laughing and jumping and singing. They are so proud of their school. They're not sitting on a mud floor anymore. They actually have desks, and so they, uh, they love it. And the The school is actually kind of a community center now. So many different activities are going on there. So it's very, very encouraging. Now back to this picture on the left. The team that is there, uh, again, that's in 2015. We had been asked to come and train Dr. Moses' staff and some discipleship leaders on oral storytelling. Uh, The Karamajong are an oral culture. Probably 98% of them do not read or write. So everything that they 
talk about their tribal history, their family history, or an incident that happened on the trail today is shared orally uh, pretty much in the form of stories. So they said in order to evangelize and disciple, we need to be able to tell them Bible stories. So uh, they asked us to come and start that training. This next picture is uh, what's called the Chronological Bible Story Cloth. <coughs> Excuse me. There are 42 pictures on here, and behind each picture is a story from creation to the ascension of Jesus. So they asked us to come and train them on the first eight stories. So we trained Dr. Moses' staff of 12 the first week, and then the second week they trained 24 discipleship group leaders that are now going into the villages and, and sharing uh, these stories. Uh, the next picture then is, uh, this was just taken three weeks ago. So back in November, they asked us if we would write the final 22 stories for them because they like the way that we assemble the story and make it concise and understandable. But I said, no, we won't write them for you, but we'll come and train you how to do it. So in November, we had a team that went over and trained 14 of uh, the pastors and discipleship group leaders on how to write or craft a Bible story. So now all 42 stories are written. Uh, they're in English, and now they're being translated into Karamajong, um, Teso and Kumong. So three different tribal languages are, are going to use these uh, stories. So this was a team uh, that they asked us to come in early February of this year uh, because they said we need some more information beyond the basics of these uh, 42 Bible stories. So they said, would you come and, and talk about commands of Jesus? So our team of seven, each one of us went and learned a story, and so we shared that story and taught them the story, and then we did some teaching behind uh, each of the commands. So the things that we taught on were repent and believe, be baptized, pray, love, give, the Lord's Supper, and make disciples. So you'll hear three of those stories this morning that we shared and trained these, this group on. I was very encouraged by these people. Uh, a vast majority of them are in their early 20s. They are on fire for Jesus. They lead the discipleship groups every week in, in a variety of villages there. And uh, they just, they are so full of energy. One of the young men came up to me and said, uh, I was in your original training back in 2015, and when I started a discipleship group, I was leading uh, probably 10 to 15. And he says, now my group every week is over 100. So these people are coming to Christ through stories. They're being discipled through these stories, and it, it's having a, a huge impact. This next picture is uh, John. He is a, a young leather maker. He uh, has an additional gift. He's a Christian, and he loves training people to make leather, leather goods. So uh, we started a microenterprise project um, several months ago, and we're John is training six women and four men to make leather products. So the first training uh, was a couple of months ago, and they learned to make handbags. This week, when we were there, they were learning to make shoes. And I was amazed at the quality of shoe and sandal that they can make, in, in basically in very primitive uh, conditions. Their last training will be in April, and then they will learn to actually tan 
goat hides, which they will use to make their, their leather products. This next picture, then, is the, the leather-making team uh, of six women and four men live in a nearby village, La Marochabai, which is about six miles from where we were camping and staying in, in the Nakiot Peace Village. So they said, would you come, your team, when you go to leave, would you stop by our village? And so we said, sure. So we stopped, and they warmly greeted us at the gate of their village and then said, come into a hut. Uh, we want to have a little bit of a ceremony. So the ceremony consisted of giving my wife, Gail, and I, since we're the, the wrinkled people, uh, the old folks, they gave us a live rooster. Um, then they proceeded to give each one of our seven team members a live uh, laying hen. So on our three-and-a-half-hour drive back to Sarodi, we had ten live chickens in the van with us. Uh, and I'd have to say that was a first for me. Uh, and then this, this next picture kind of starts uh, some discussion on our, some of our construction projects. This is a medical clinic that another organization started a few years ago and was unable to complete. So Dr. Moses asked us if we could finish this medical clinic, so we got that done last year. And then uh, the health officials in the area said, if you can finish the clinic and then build a house for the nurse, we'll put a full-time nurse in the village. And so this is really important because we're told that 10% of the children today do not live beyond age 5 in these villages, primarily because of treatable diseases. And as I was sitting there talking to Dr. Moses uh, just three weeks ago, he pointed out some of the puffy cheeks on the, on the, the children and swollen uh, bellies, and he said that's because they have worms. And so he said, once we get a nurse in here, that's going to be taken care of. They can treat that, and there's so many things that are going to be that will help them a lot. So this next picture, um, they ask us then to build the nurse's house, and so... The upper picture is the nurse's house as we found it three weeks ago. And our team, along with the locals, then was to paint it and, and finish it. So that's what it looks like now. It's really a nice-looking nice looking facility. So while we were there, we were told that the health authorities had been to the village uh, the week before we were there. And they looked at the clinic and they looked at the nurse's house and said, this is beautiful. We had no idea that you could build something this beautiful in such a remote area. And they're already interviewing for a full-time nurse to go there. So this is several months. Yes. This is several months earlier than we had anticipated. Uh, okay, then the next picture uh, is Church Under the Tree. So the church had been meeting in the, one of the school classrooms, but they outgrew it. So now they're meeting uh, under the tree. Uh, there were about 300 people there that morning, uh, and their services are energetic. They sing, they dance. Several different groups come up and do dances and, and music and stuff. Pastor Labou is, is pastoring this church, and he's a a dynamite um, demonstrative evangelist, so he, re he really preaches. And one of the aspects that made me feel like I was in the book of Acts was during the offering time, one of the ladies came up and gave her offering to the pastor, which was a chicken egg. And I, it reminded me of the story about the widow's mite, that she gave what she had. And I was very, very moved by that. Uh, 
Then this next picture is, uh, well, can we go back? Oh, it, yeah, right after that one. So it's um, the Jesus film. There it is. So we showed the Jesus film two nights, and then two nights we showed uh, a discipleship movie on walking with Jesus. So this is a picture one night with three um, silhouettes there, possibly former warriors that had been out raiding and killing. Uh, and they're watching the Jesus film, and you can see Jesus hanging on the cross in the background. The first night that we showed that film, when they started nailing the, putting the nails in Jesus' hands and feet, there was an audible gasp that came up from the crowd. Uh, it was amazing. Probably 200 people came every night of the four nights, and over the four nights, 150 people trusted Christ as their Savior. And uh, so God is building his church. Uh, he is actively building his church. So when we go back to church under the tree next time, I think it's going to be 150 people larger. Uh, they're going to have to get a bigger tree. Um, so then this last picture, I want to I set it up a little bit. It's a video. And... Uh, Ten years ago, when Dr. Val started the conversation about having peace in, in these uh, villages, up until that time, they had literally been killing one another, stealing their cattle, raiding one another. Hundreds, if not thousands, of people were killed over the generations. So Dr. Val thought that there was an opportunity to talk peace. So she invited the two warring tribes, the Peon and the Bakora, to come to no man's land and discuss if, they want, if there was a possibility for peace. So each tribe walked several miles, in a, probably 1,000 or 1,500 of them in each group, coming into no man's land. So in November, we were there to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of the establishment of peace in, in Karamoja. And they wanted to reenact that march. Uh, so let's roll that, roll that video. They love to dance. They love to sing. Watch, they'll jump. They love to jump. I can get about two inches off the ground. So that afternoon, after this reenactment, uh, one of the leaders asked Julie Sherrill, who was on our team there, do you know what they were chanting? And she said no. And they said... Uh, they were chanting, thank you, Julie, for bringing us water. Thank you, Mike and Gail, for bringing us to school. So I want to retranslate that and say, thank you, Sunset, for bringing them water. Thank you, Sunset, for bringing them a school. As I close, I'd like to share uh, the story that I trained the team on when we were there. Uh, as I told you, it's an oral culture, and everything that they do uh, is shared in story form orally. So when we share a story from the Bible, we find that it's important to differentiate our true story from the Bible from their tribal stories. And we do that simply by making a hand motion and saying, this is a true story from the Word of God. So this is a true story from the Word of God. An angel of the Lord appeared to a man named Philip and said, get ready and go to the southern road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
So Philip got ready and went. Along the way, he met an important official from Ethiopia. This official was in charge of all the money for the queen of Ethiopia. He had been to Jerusalem to worship. As he was traveling in his carriage, he was reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Approach that carriage and get close. So as Philip got up next to the carriage, he heard the official reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The passage that he was reading said he was beaten down and made to suffer, but he did not open his mouth. He was led away like a sheep to be slaughtered. Lambs, when their wool is being cut, do not make a sound. In the same way, he did not open his mouth. He was arrested and sentenced to die. He was cut off from this life. He was punished for the sins of my people. The official asked Philip, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? So starting in that passage in Isaiah, Philip began to share the good news. He said that Jesus had died on the cross for our sins, just as the Bible said he would. He was buried, and three days later, he arose from the grave, victorious over sin and death, just like the Bible said he would. As they traveled a little further, the official said, look, there's water. What's to keep me from being baptized? So they stopped the carriage, and Philip baptized the official. Just as the official was coming up out of the water, the Holy Spirit took Philip away immediately, and the official never saw Philip again, but he continued on his journey full of joy. This is a true story from the Word of God. This is a true story from the Word of God. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, a lamb was to be sacrificed for the Passover meal. Jesus was with Peter and John and instructed them to go and prepare the Passover meal. They said to Jesus, where do you want us to prepare this meal? Jesus answered, go into the city and there you will meet a man carrying a jar of water. Follow him into the house that he goes and say to the owner, the teacher says, where is the room that you've have prepared for my disciples and I to have the Passover meal. He will show you upstairs a large furnished room where you will prepare the meal. So Peter and John, they went into the city and they found everything exactly as Jesus had said. And so they prepared the meal. That evening, Jesus was at the table with his 12 disciples eating. He said to them, I have so looked forward to having this Passover meal with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat this meal again with you until it is celebrated in God's kingdom. He then took the cup. He gave thanks to God and said, share this with one another. For I will not drink this wine with you again until God's kingdom comes. In the same way, he took the bread, he gave thanks to God, broke it, gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. After supper, in the same way, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is the new covenant sealed in my blood, which is poured out for you. This is a true story from the Word of God.
So when Pastor Mike started to hear from God that Sunset should start to go to Alaska, I thought, well, I don't know very much about Alaska. Uh, my husband and I had been there on a cruise. That was pretty cool. But I knew very little about the spiritual life of Alaska. And so in September, Mike and Dan Larson and I took a vision trip to meet missionaries and to explore missionary partnerships. What we learned, honestly, was hard to hear. It was hard to understand, and it was very challenging. We learned that remote Alaskan villages are mostly spiritually dead and that they're not open to the gospel in great part because of things that have been done in the name of Christ and the church to their culture. As we talked to missionaries and learned what life is like in so many of these remote villages, I was really struggling about how was I going to come and speak to my church about what was happening there. And then the Sunday of our first Alaska short-term team informational meeting, God's Word gave me words. I want to share those with you today. In the read-through of uh, the Bible that I'm doing this year, I was in Genesis 19, and that is a story that I don't remember coloring a page from when I was in in kids' kids' church, which is Lot was entertaining angels, and the men of the community came to Lot's home and banged on the doors and wanted... Um, Lot to turn the angels over to them so that they could hurt them. And instead, Lot sent out his daughters into the community. So Mike talked earlier today about um, feeling like he was living in Acts. Well, when we were there, I felt like I was hearing stories of living in the Old Testament. That these were communities that had been not impacted by the gospel. And my heart started to hurt for these young men and women that were growing up in these communities. So that's why our first partnership is going to be with the Alaska Christian College because they come alongside of these young men and women when they come out of the villages um, to provide healing and education for them. And so I want you to take a look at this clip. So it really was the dream of Alaskan elders and uh, the Native community that said, let's do something for our young people. There's got to be a place. There has to be an opportunity for our young people when they graduate from high school. They have a safe place of higher education where they could go and really bridge the gap. So as a kind of a Christian community college, you might say, we have students who come from Bush, Alaska, who really get all the things that they need to be effective and successful then to transfer off to the four-year university or also to go into the workforce or even into the military as many choose to do. Everybody deserves to hear about Christ in Alaska. And so we are sending students out prepared and ready to go and to share the gospel. It gives a real opportunity for our young people to go back, not just with the knowledge of Christ and having been formed and discipled while they're at ACC, but also to go back and have workforce development, have a job waiting for them. So we see ourselves as really being a part of the big picture And what God is doing in Alaska, reaching not just the urban centers, but also outside in the rural bush areas, where now we've had over 450 students who have called Alaska Christian College their home at some point during their college career education. I get to see it almost every day of students walk into my office, or I see them at chapel, or hear their stories in small groups about how God is affecting their lives. It's a great opportunity that we have been given, and we take it very seriously to reach out to more of Alaska, with as much as we could possibly do with the resources that God has given us. And so far, so far it's working. So that's Keith Hamilton. Pastor Mike and I met with Keith when he was in the Portland area in December, and we just kept continued to learn about what the school is doing. He says it very briefly at the top, but he says to provide them a safe place. 
And one of the things I love about the school as I'm learning more is the real attention that they give individually to students to provide care and counseling to help put them in a good spot to move on. The second, oh, so we have two teams going there. We have about 36 of us, I think, maybe 37. One more came yesterday. Um, that'll be going to serve at the college. And then we have a second trip um, that will be helping us serve in a second area. As we were meeting with village missionaries, they shared with us the challenge of serving in these remote and dark communities where they're really not welcomed. We learned that the average stay for a missionary is around nine months before they pack up and go home. We learned that a key ministry in large cities is helping these missionaries out in remote villages to be able to stay in the villages and to work hard on developing relationships and sharing the love of Christ. This is called respite care. And they provide a place for missionaries to come and to stay. Um, Those of you that have been in a dark situation before, you know you kind of just need to get away for a little while, be around other believers, and to have community and encouragement. Um, And this is what they do. And so our second project, the third team, is going to serve at a respite care home that we stayed in. And we are going to build a bonus room on their house. They can sleep 15 missionaries, pastors, or even like a a women's retreat. So maybe a a missionary would bring in women from the village to this home. They can stay there, but they don't have a good gathering place when they're all together. You know what it's like at your house on Thanksgiving. (laughs) And so um, we're going to go up and we're going to do a building project and provide space so, so that missionaries have a place to gather together for more education, for encouragement. And, and for spiritual discipleship. So um, I'm going to say it again. Uh, we have a bunch of scrappy women on that trip. <laughs> I got a lot of comments about that between services. And then we have some builders and some men. But we need people, one or two more people with construction experience would be very helpful on this team. And so if you've been thinking about doing this and the Holy Spirit kind of nudges you or your wife... Uh, or your husband, um, come out and talk to Dan Larson um, after the service at the Alaska table. We could use a couple more experienced people to, um, to join that team. And um, as Sherry Schleif comes up to share her oral story, I just want to quickly acknowledge Ron Riesinger. Ron, are you in the room? Here he is. So um, we also support missionaries in the field. And Ron is one of them, but he happens to live in Portland. But he serves in Europe and Eurasia, mentoring and teaching locals how to reach international students on their campus. So I want you to meet Ron today. We often wish we could have more time to spend with our missionaries in the field, but it's very difficult. Ron and Karen live here. They're among us on Sundays whenever Ron is in town. And so I just want you to stop by his table, greet him, and get to know him uh, after the service. In Matthew 6... Jesus commands us to pray. This is a true story from the word of God. King Herod was persecuting Christians in order to gain favor with the the Jews. He arrested Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, and threw him into prison where he bound him with chains and he was guarded by 16 soldiers. The people were praying earnestly for Peter. Suddenly, in the night, an angel woke Peter and said to him, Hurry, get up. Peter didn't know if what he was seeing was real. The angel told him, Put on your clothes, put on your sandals, and follow me. Peter thought he was seeing a vision, but he followed the angel out of the prison 
to the iron gate that opened into the city. When they got there, the iron gate opened all by itself. The angel led Peter out into the street, and they proceeded to walk down the street. Then the angel left Peter. Peter said, Now I know that the Lord my God has sent me an angel who rescued me. He rescued me from prison. He rescued me from Herod. And he rescued me from everything that the people thought would happen to me. Peter then went straight to Mary's house where he knew that the believers had been gathered and were praying for him. When they saw Peter, they were amazed. Peter told the people, how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And then he told the people to go tell the remaining believers about what God had done for him. The next morning, Herod ordered a search for Peter. However, he could not find Peter. This is a true story from the word of God. When I was writing in the email update this week, I was trying to capture what we would experience here today. In a verse, I started with this verse. Some of you read it. But I had this verse that that the Lord gave to me this week. Let me find it here. It says in Matthew, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, A a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And as I thought about what we're doing here and what we're talking about here this morning, this is what God is doing through us. I received, after I sent this email out, within 15 minutes I got an email back from a member of our congregation who said that God had given her that verse and she had been praying over that verse ever since the first of the year for our church. It was so cool because it reminded me that God is up to something way bigger than me. He's moving in our church. He's changing people's lives and he's giving us an opportunity to be a part of it. And that's what I think this morning has been about just getting a glimpse of a little bit of what God is doing. Another verse I just was thinking about this morning is found in the book of Acts. And it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Beaverton, in Alaska, and to the end of the earth, in a place like Uganda, I changed it a little bit, but you get the idea. God will come upon us with the power of the Holy Spirit, and he will change lives because of the work that is being done. So I'm so thankful to be part of a church where we have people's skill and ability and and the finances and also the obedience to the Lord's Spirit calling us to go. So we're going to take an offering in just a bit here. It's our normal offering, and so for those of you who give normally to the church, we want you to continue to do that. 
we want you to be aware that some of the money that go that we get every week goes to missionaries. Janet mentioned missionaries in the field, not part of these three projects that you heard about today. We have a bunch of those missionaries, and they're all paid for out of our general operating fund. So as we talk about taking a missions offering this morning, don't redirect your giving because that'll just hurt missions. But if you feel like God is placing on your heart to support financially the work of these projects that we have focused on in, in, with Family Promise in Alaska and in Uganda, then this is the time where we take a special offering to do that. The way you give is just to mark your check or, or put it in an envelope and mark it and say missions or mission fund or even for some of you old schoolers, partners in missions, we used to call it. Any of those will get to this place. And we take all of that money now and we divide it up between these three projects. And we pay for all of the rest of our missionaries out of the operating fund. So if you want to give to these projects, now is your chance to do it. You can also give online when you leave. There's, you can select the funds and you can give throughout the year as well. Many of you give faithfully throughout the year in order to help us be able to fund these efforts. So we ask that you give exactly what, you, what God has laid on your heart to give. No more, no less. And we, and we will trust that he will provide for what he wants us to do. So as the ushers come and we sing another couple songs, I just want to say a prayer over this offering. Father, we thank you really for the chance to worship you through our giving for the chance to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, something that you're doing around the world and in our community through us. We thank you for the opportunity to give. And we ask that you would take every dollar that's given this morning and and turn it into something we can't even imagine. Lives changed in your name because of money that we give. Lord, thank you so much for that opportunity. And we want to give you the glory for all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen to that. Was this not a great service? It's easy to sing how great is our God when you hear stories like this. Uh, Can we thank uh, Janet and Pastor Mike and Mike Hildebrand and all those who are serving in the missions? Janet, I see you. So, so inspiring. I'm inspired by today's service. Um, if anyone needs prayer, we, we'll have prayer ministers, elders here at the end of the service. We'd love to pray with you at the end of the service. Um, next week, I want to let you know, it's going to be Communion Sunday, and we're, we're going to do something different. It's going to be a different kind of service. I'm going to be walking us through a Passover Seder, and it is going to be fascinating. We're going to chant psalms and read scriptures and actually walk through the elements of Passover Seder and it will help you understand what happens in communion and so it is a great Sunday to invite a friend to to church because it'll be something different so let, let me bless you may the Lord bless you and keep you may he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you may he smile on you and give you peace. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you.